0: Hello and you're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education, from unshot.net. Unsanitised. Back to school and blended learning. Cases are rising. Counties are almost in lockdown, and there's more and more cases growing daily than there was when schools originally closed back in March. It seems like the virus is one that's airborne, and all the experts are becoming very wary of a second wave. Sounds like a perfect time to fully reopen schools. Welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from (coughs) OnShot.net. This is uh, the fourth part of this special series unsanitized Sanitised um where I'm looking at the reopening of schools and what what it's going to look like. Um, I'm sorry for, I suppose, the delay. I was trying to make these every few days, but uh, I have to admit, this week has been extremely busy. Uh, Between, I suppose, dealing with um, the reopening of my own school, uh, getting ready to the response plan, the risk assessment, getting signs together, traffic management, entrances and exits, tearing apart uh, basically the lovely communal feel of our staff room, uh, basically now to have designated seating and designated times for people to be there between hiring an aide, new cleaners, sourcing PPE, hand sanitizers. And um, we also had uh, I also had interviews for new staff who I may not actually see again even uh, though they'll be working in the same building as me. What a lovely welcome to give them, but we also have our uh, July program which is happening in August of course, and our dash campus started this week. Um my office kind of normally looks like a bomb hit it to be perfectly honest but it now looks like several bombs hit it and the safety guy i've been working with uh, our board hired has recommended that nobody should come into my office for a face-to-face meeting and given the look of my office i don't think anyone would want to uh they could actually sit on anything if i'm perfectly honest now um to be honest look I'm I'm moaning imagine me moaning Uh, but I look I actually don't mind all this extra work Uh, but what's really annoying me most of all to be honest is that much like what I said at the beginning I believe that this is going to be a lot of effort for almost nothing Uh, as I said in the first part of this episode I believe within a few weeks schools are going to be shut down again and we're going to be back to distance learning and ultimately there's going to need to be another plan and given all the variables. I really can't see anything, as I've said, other than some form of blended learning, a blended learning scenario where children will be in school some of the time and at home uh, for the rest of the time. And this part of the episode, um, as I promised from the very beginning, I actually want to give teachers and school leaders a sample plan of what to do in the first couple of weeks when the children are in school, while we're still there, to prepare children for that scenario. Now I've spent enough time in the last few episodes giving out about the reasons for it all, so now I'm going to spend some time here on actually what you can do. Now it's worth repeating what blended learning means, just in case you missed the first couple of episodes, but it's also worth repeating the difference between blended learning and actually what we were doing from March till June, uh, because a lot of people were calling that blended learning even though it wasn't. Um, This could be called distance learning, remote learning, or maybe home-based learning. but not blended learning so basically blended learning um i suppose to to, to try and give it some form of de- de- definition Um, in its simplest way is where you do some of your learning in one place uh i.e the school face to face and then you do some of the learning through um using technology d- distantly so you do the learning at home and uh, in a school context uh, that is usually using uh, technology to, uh, to do the learning. Uh, if you were a, a student of Hibernia College doing your teacher training uh, that would have been known as a blended learning course where you did a lot of your learning online and then you did some of your learning face to face and so that's kind of the scenario that we'd expect um, or that I'm expecting anyway to happen um, really while this virus is going on um, and um, effectively I suppose technology is going to be the key Um, whether or not you do blended learning or distance learning, to be perfectly honest. So the plan really, I think, is to make sure um, that this works at least for both options. Um, So if you're new to the podcast, you might have scrolled through previous episodes of of the podcast to find... um, episodes about the lockdown and some advice for it so I just want to uh, explain why that isn't there Um, I've, I've only started uh, restarted podcasting um, over the last couple of months and um, because I wasn't able to run this podcast uh, during the lockdown from March until about uh, late May early June um, and the reason for that is because I joined the board of the IPPN a few months before that and I guess it's fair to say uh, that I'm very critical of uh, some of the IPPN's close allies so it wouldn't have really looked good for one of their board members to be giving out stink about the INTO, the NCSE, the Department of Education and all those fellows. Um, so to be fair the um, uh i i I felt um when i was on the board while i was asked i couldn't run this podcast uh but to be fair to the IMPPN, they did allow me to run a couple of webinars uh for various education centers at that time uh, and to record a few videos on on shaw.net's youtube channel Um, and uh, if you're looking for um, any advice about distance learning Um, I'd suggest if you can to uh, maybe look at onshaw.net's YouTube channel where you'll see some advice videos uh, around um, how to start that process Um, and uh, it's mainly aimed at school leaders because that's what I was focusing on at the time as I was a member of the IPPM board uh, which is for primary school principals but it might be of some use to teachers uh, basically about navigating a lockdown and how technology can help for that for a lockdown so And here we are, (laughs) I guess, just about to reopen uh, after the lockdown. And I'm going to try and help you plan for when we lock down again, basically. Uh, This time I am allowed to podcast, uh, which is good. Um, And I've said I really, really hope I'm wrong uh, about the lockdown. I have to say that as well, because I'm speaking as if I know what's going to happen. Of course, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, However, I would be surprised if I'm wrong. I mean, bluntly. Uh, really the only thing that could make me wrong in my opinion is that there's some amazing wonderment about COVID-19 that it's completely unable to enter school buildings where walls have been doused at some point with holy water rooms have crucifix hanging on the wall things like that or children who bless themselves while wearing polyester jumpers you know and um, maybe maybe the virus an aversion to those for to that and um, it would certainly stop the virus getting into 90 percent of the schools anyway uh, seriously though the only possible way i think covid19 looks like it isn't going to shut down schools is in the unlikely event that children under the age of 13 can't get it or transmit it and uh, basically um and even if that does happen my friends technology is still going to be needed to be your friend you're going to need technology anyway i i went through um I suppose a good few ideas of what you could do in the last part of this episode, uh, like part three of this episode. But let's get right into it now. Uh, for an education system, you know, that's going to at best be one where blended learning is going to be part and parcel of life. So let's get into it. We we can't forget that technology effectively, I believe, anyway, effectively saved education in some ways in the last few months. Um, and I, I referred to this in the last part, it, it, you know, the screams about screen time from this tabloid seem very silly right now, in my opinion. Just think about what life would have been like without access to technology during lockdown. And I am and I know some families did have this scenario where they didn't have access to technology and how difficult that was. You would have had to be posting, physically posting stuff to children, not posting it online, physically posting it using a postman um, and and god knows what you would have been posting because all the books um, and all the equipment were actually in school and you weren't allowed to get in there so what would you have actually been posting out and if you weren't able to use technology and that includes photocopiers and so on How are you actually going to post anything? So what I'm saying to you is technology really, really has been a very powerful tool um, over the last few months. And it will continue to be a very powerful tool. And if nothing else, we got to see how technology, when used well, could be extremely useful. In fact, because of lockdown, I would argue, it's now become the norm as it should have been before and right now it's probably fair to say that almost every teacher in this country had to get to grips with some form of technology whether they liked it or not and now i believe is the time to capitalize on this because every child is going to need to be able to use it in a few weeks when i believe schools are going to have to close down and we have a blended learning but at least a blended learning scenario Um, just a few things that you might need to know and um, from reese uh, just basically from research from um, uh, various places and it's, it's handy to know this sort of stuff um we know basically that roughly 90% of children, so around 91 92% of children in fifth and sixth classes in ireland own a mobile device we know 60% of children in fourth class own a device and about 50% of third class children own a device an internet enabled device Um, whenever people you know go to these talks from internet safety people i I, I just as an aside here i i i find this kind of i i i give a few of these talks the odd time um i i always look at the the people that are in front of me and i i you know you you raise the statistic and they look at each other in shock it's like but you know you're you're the ones that bought them the devices you know like where are we looking around the room but um you know and and that's i look i mean the rights or wrongs of uh, parents buying their children's devices is not the purpose of this podcast a- at all um but um i just find it interesting you know that people are shocked that uh, so many children own mobile devices um when they themselves have probably bought the device uh, anyway the problem is um they you know the thing is the device when i talk about a device i'm not just talking about a phone and um, because i think that's what some parents think when they hear that device uh, they, they hear that and um, they may also you know obviously think it might be a tablet but i mean to me both of those things fit into the same thing but it could be a laptop which is a device or even a games console with an interbr- internet browser that also qualifies to me as a device and um, the problem is that while they tend to know while children tend to know how to use these devices for lots of different things. I mean, gaming. In some cases, social media. In fact, in lots of cases, social media things like that. They don't actually tend to use them very well for educational purposes. And um, they're very good at being able to do uh, cooperative games. They're very good at being able to post photographs of themselves or dances of themselves on TikTok and things like that. But for actual educational purposes, they aren't very well equipped. And just before, while I want to it, cut the rope is not educational sorry but that's a that's a swipe at the pdst technology and education which i'm sure none of you get um uh, unless you actually developed a list of educational apps uh, for the pdst technology and education five years ago and you put cut the rope as an educational game anyway i digress what we need to do as teachers over the coming weeks is to get them from where they are now with their devices to a place where they can use them well as educational tools now we need to think of a way that we can bring these devices into school if possible. Now maybe they can't and that's okay. And what we can do then is supplement pupils that don't have devices at all. And because again, we have 90% in sixth class to do, but we have to help the 10% if we can. And we need to provide them with the tools that they need to engage with school, whether that's in school or not in school. So that's kind of our, our role or our kind of project for the next few weeks. We need to equip children with digital devices, whatever they may be. Now, I've said about bringing them into schools. Now, I, I've been thinking about this a little bit while while I uh, while I was kind of writing this, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of um, pitch it at children not bringing in devices, so they've use them at home. But I mean, if your school is lucky enough to allow children to bring devices into school, it the the same um, you know the same the same thing will apply. So it does it doesn't really matter um, either way. Um, so children are going to need to be interacting with their teacher basically using tools um that are that, that they that they can that they can be given uh for example kahoot is a good uh, is a good thing for doing quizzes questions and answers maybe google forms for um, doing uh anything from surveys to polls to reading comprehensions uh, to also quizzes they're also going to need how to learn an interface like google classroom or seesaw or class dojo or microsoft teams these are all digital learning platforms and they're really their purpose for those is to communicate with their teachers they'll also need to become familiar with a suite of apps like google's g suite for education or microsoft 365 um, online or whatever i mean that, again this is for kind of office work let's say as it would have be been known as in my day um, and while children will have probably have copybooks, it's going to be equally if not more important for them to be able to produce work on a device as well as by hand so ultimately where are we going to start with this well for me everything needs to start now <laughs> right now um I, unless you're listening to this after school starts you should have started before school started whenever that you know whenever that is so if this i'm recording this in the middle of august and um, so now is the time to start so at this time um i i I, i'm what i'm basically saying to you and i'm not sure what your own school context look like but if you're a teacher with an interest in ict or a post holder in ict or even the principal or this or the deputy principal this bit is for you if you're in charge of technology in your school Um, and if you're not if you don't have anyone in your school that is in charge of technology maybe it should be you uh, because this has to happen before anything happens to be honest with you and i'm going to go through your first steps and um basically what you'll need to do is advice a device audit uh, if you haven't already done one you basically need to know how many working devices you have what they are and how many of them are actually useful so they can they connect to the internet basically if they can connect to the internet they're good it doesn't matter how old they are as long as they can connect to the internet and then you need to find out how many of them you can lend to children now remember, during the lockdown, the government released this special grant where you could buy devices for children, and effectively for primary schools, it was about it was a few hundred euro per school. So you weren't going to obviously get that many devices for it. But some, some schools may have built up a, a you know a collection or a, a pile of, of of devices that would otherwise would, are probably sitting in their school um, uh, right now. So they might be used for lending out to children. Um, You need to think of a kind of a system you're going to use to lend them out to children i i i mean what we did in our in our school because we we lent them out during the lockdown was uh basically we when it came to collecting the books uh on the week of may 18th i don't know if people remember that it's so weird it feels like such a long time ago and we asked parents um to book um a device if they needed to needed to and we also had a list of children where we realized obviously they didn't have access to technology that we ring uh we 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 had um, people ringing families that we knew didn't have devices asking them would it help if they got them and uh and basically we lent out about 75 devices uh to uh, our families um we record where each um device uh was labeled and um and therefore and and their charger that was came with it was also labeled and this was uh, taken down in a spreadsheet uh with the name of the uh, with the family taking it and it's kind of was done on a trust system in our case so we didn't ask for a deposit we didn't ask for money and effectively we're hoping that when we come back to school the devices will also come back in one piece um now that will hopefully that's just what we did Um, you may do a different thing now given you know and and, I mean you know that's that's I I guess I was going to say you know some schools just might not feel they're able to do that but you know it's something you might um, think about doing now given that you're almost uh, and now I'm almost 100% sure you're not going to have enough devices for every child so you're not going to we don't have enough uh, devices uh, for every child and to be fair you know given you know you probably won't even have enough devices for half of the children you're going to have to have a plan uh, for children who'll be using their own devices too and it's reasonably unlikely that you're going to be able to i mean the more i think about it it's unlikely you're going to be able to they're going to be able to bring the device into school because it might be a shared family device and ultimately what happens if something happens to that device when it's in school and ultimately what's what you know do schools want that responsibility so you could of course whip up a uh, BYOD policy bring your own device policy uh, because you'll have nothing better to do <laughs> yeah right um, but again how are you going to ensure that it's going to be safe from a COVID-19 point of view again bringing in things from home uh, and the virus uh, being able to um, I suppose stay alive on, on on hard surfaces and things like that or getting stuck in between keyboard keys we don't know what the virus does but I mean these are I suppose we're, we're, we're the risks aren't we uh, looking at risk and um, so we're trying to limit things and um, you know limit the virus so i mean bringing things home for, from home increases that risk so i guess i'm I, i'm just coming from that perspective look i know the risk is very low but there's a lot of work to do really to allow your children to bring in devices i do think fifth and sixth class might be an exception to this because most of them have their own phones and phones will do the job very nicely and they're probably bringing them into school anyway so why not use them while they're uh, while they're in again you'll have to update your aup uh for that kind of thing uh but it's definitely um something that can definitely work and of course you'll have to remember to have a special wi-fi for the children to log into rather than one the staff are using Uh, and as i said most modern wi-fi setups will do this particularly if you have wi-fi in the last uh, three to four years set up in your school if you don't um maybe um maybe it's time to get in touch with your Wi-Fi company and see and get that set up. Um, Anyway, whatever way you do things, every child is going to need to practice working off a device, whether that's in school or at home. Now, I'd recommend at home, um, as I said, because it's just easier. Um, But, you know, it it just kind of makes sense because they're going to be doing most of their technology work at home anyway soon. So they may as well get good practice by doing it at home, um, you know, given that they're probably going to be in total lockdown again um i mean I, I i guess you know i mean there's you know like most schools i suppose have got children set up using technology um but to be fair i mean during that lockdown it was it was quite hard to i suppose police it in a way that it was used properly and i don't mean police in the in the negative sense i mean we're uh, we, we we basically ask parents to you know teach their children how to use devices properly and that's that's not saying that parents can't do that but it certainly is more difficult wouldn't it just be better for us to be able to train the children in how to use our learning platforms in a consistent manner so they don't have to be annoying their parents let's say to uh, to help them log in to help them find whatever they're looking for so this is all done so all the teaching of using the technology will be um will be done in school so that when they get home they're able to do it if that makes sense so the next step anyway before they even start school we we're jumping ahead of myself and earlier there is we need to give every child a login Um, to whatever system you're using, whether that's Google Classroom, Microsoft Teams, Seesaw, ClassDojo, all the rest of them. And you need to decide what their login credentials are going to be. Now, a credential is basically their username. Um, Is it going to be their first name and surname at at schoolname.ie or whatever you're going to be? So in our case, uh, we have uh, the child's first name, the first initial of their surname, and a number um, at Um you might use initials look in reality it doesn't really matter what login you give as long as you're consistent um it matters a little bit in a way that you, you you kind of want to try and avoid duplicate logins so for example you're likely to get lots of jacks and chloe's for the next while given that it's the most popular name in in ireland for the last decade or so um i, um, I sounded really kind of disparaging about that jack and chloe are lovely names um but uh you know there's bound to be one that's a, a couple of Jacks and chloe's that are going to have the same surname though from different families so you can't have like a jack murphy at you know whatever dot ie and not expect another jack murphy to appear in the next you know few years so what we do in our school is we put a number at the end of every login uh, so the year they started in, in in our case so for example my son who comes to this uh, to the school i teach in uh, emiris is emiris l19 because he started in 2019 now the likelihood of another emiris coming into uh, enroll al l coming into carlo educate together i would imagine is quite low uh, but if we had called emiris jack like we should have like responsible parents um, there is likely to be, there could be another jack lewis around who knows anyway they're going to need a password too so once you have a login a, a username you need a password as you know and how you set that up again is up to you now a couple of ideas uh, you might pick um a, pa- a password that's the names of three animals and a number to create a 10 character password so cat dog pig five that might be useful because it's something that people could remember um, and it would be at least 10 characters or uh, you might pick letters of their name followed by some numbers it again it doesn't really matter what you have to decide is whether you as a teacher has access to that password because you can absolutely guarantee within five minutes of giving the child the password you'll have a hand up in the air saying i forgot my password teacher and so um you know you you uh, and what you'd have to do then is you would basically have to ask the administrator uh of of the system to reset the passwords uh, uh, and things like that uh, which can take days if it happens to be a principal who will probably be scurrying away trying to make the school safe rather than wondering if jack murphy's password is okay by the way i know several jack murphy's in my life i'm not referring to any jack murphy's in my life it's just a popular name um anyway you're going to need to once you give everyone a username and a password well how are you going to do that you actually have to input all of those names into your system whatever system you're using now i'm going to go through my own school experience because i think it's similar it's going to be similar to lots of other schools and it's going to be a lot similar to lots of other platforms we use um g suite for education in our school that's not that's for no other reason that when we started off uh, using uh, google uh, in our school google was the only free um option out there and we had no money um and luckily for us it's gone on to being quite a uh, quite a fantastic platform in my opinion but um we could very easily have gone with microsoft or or any of the others so anyway just uh, i imagine it's very much the same no matter what you use so in terms of g suite for education uh, what what you'll need to do basically is go to the admin get it become an administrator so you're gonna to have to get a domain by the way i won't uh, just just for those of you who are starting from absolute scratch um i am not going to go through the absolute uh, setup what i'm going to assume is that you have a sco- a domain name for your school so that could be in our case it's carloeducate everyone Uh, if you don't have that you need to get a domain um and uh, then you need to follow lots of instructions And, and they're not that hard the instructions to get set up but once you're all set up you need to go into the administrator section and add all the names usernames and passwords of all the children in your school um Obviously, I um, it, 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 there. you, you don't wanna do that manually. Uh, so what we did was we have Aladdin in our school. I exported all the children's names and uh, we turned uh, those into email addresses, passwords, and you basically bulk uploaded that to our system. Look, you may not have the technical know-how and there's uh, to do all that. So you can, um, if you're very nice to somebody in your school or you're feeling like you're at a loose end, um, uh you can get uh you basically have to basically put in all the usernames and passwords. look it takes a while it's about a day's work or a few hours work anyway and um but you just you only have to do it once you know and that's i suppose that might be the that might be the best way of doing it um uh, in in our case we're using seesaw in infants for the first time uh, this year it integrates very well with um with google classroom so i won't actually have to input any further children's names um into it because i can just import them from uh, uh from from my uh, google admin uh so that's really our school i, I probably made this sound uh, really complicated and people are gonna go <laughs> i'm not doing that but seriously trust me it isn't really that difficult um and um if you uh actually just go uh, go into youtube um and search for set up google um set up uh, users on google admin you'll see how easy it is um, it's just to be honest a lot of it's donkey work and um, Okay, so we're, we still haven't even got to day one, would you believe, Anna? and And uh, gosh, I mean, I'm just going to check how much time. I'm already nearly half an hour into this episode. Um, so I'm going to break it down into two parts. Um, part one will probably end in a little bit. Uh, so I want to get at least to, until day one, <laughs> up to day one uh, uh, for the next uh, part of this episode. Um, so basically, once the children have a username and password, so you'd have set it all up, how are they actually going to log on to the school system? And you're going to have to figure that one out too. Sorry, I'm putting a lot of work on people uh, before you even start, but honestly, trust me, it's worth it. And I suppose there's a few a few, few um, a few things you could do. And one, one thing you could do is you could create little cards for each child with their username and password on them. And maybe you could get the teachers to do that themselves. In fact, even you could get the teachers to set up um, their credentials. Um, It does mean that you'll have to give them admin access, which might not be a wise idea. But anyway, you will have to create little cards, but there must be a better way than that. Um, It all does take a huge amount of time. And how long is it going to take for a bunch of four-year-olds or any four-year-olds to type in their login and their password? and um, so for example emiris in my in his in his case for him to type in the all the letters of emiris l19 at carloeducate together.ie is probably going to take um longer than the school day because by the time he finds the letter e and then finds the letter m and then he kind of forgets what the letter r actually is um you know in junior infants that was he's, he's pretty good now lockdown was good to him um but um you know i um i think it, it, there must be an easier way for a four-year-old to log in um in ireland at least there are a few ways that this could happen um and uh and um not too many but there there are some ways uh, for free and then some that are paid um i use a system called clever.com and it basically gives every child a qr code so uh, for those of you who don't know what a qr code is I, I actually can't describe it uh it's it's like a barcode i suppose except um more complicated looking, um, and that basically what you, what they do, what, what the children in junior and senior in my school or in any class do, is they hold their QR code up to the webcam and it logs them in as if they were typing in a username and password, which, is, which takes all of two seconds. Um, I'm not actually sure if it's available to Irish schools anymore, but it was when I set it up, but it's a huge time saver. Um, there are other uh, options. Um, I've seen something called Hello ID, um, which I haven't tried, so I can't vouch for. Um, and there's also a British company that had been that actually came into fruition, and I know they're looking to come into the Irish market. Um, and I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's W O N D E Wande or Wand. And um, they were they were uh, they they were kind of made um, popular uh in the uk because they generally do the f- school free, uh, free school lunch schemes but they also have a login system for uh, uh laptops so it's while well we're checking out and it's not expensive i saw it's a, a couple of hundred euro for a primary school i mean like that's it you know not per user uh, um so that's not too bad anyway uh, to be honest, I, th- I think it's well worth having a system like that where children don't have to type in their username and password and they can scan a QR code or a barcode to log in. Now, the administrator still has to add all the accounts into the system. And as I said, it's a day or two, a day or so's work, but I honestly, it's well worth it so another thing you're going to have to do then so you've done that <laughs> we're not even in day one yet another thing you're going to have to do uh, um, I, and i'm sure you, some of you have just gone out oh, you know what this isn't worth it but it really is worth it uh, another thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to think about the extra apps and programs that children are going to be using so for example what school books um are they going to be using and where and, and where are their online versions and um, and you need to think about the links to those. I mean, so they're basically websites. Um, you need to think about things like Office apps, like uh, Microsoft 365 or G Suite for Education or whatever you use, whatever it is. Um, you also need to think about games that your pupils like to play that might be useful uh, for learning, like Nessie or Mathletics or even Book Creator and so on. Yeah. You'll need uh, websites that you like to use generally. Some, every teacher has their favorite websites, whether that's Starfall or whatever it might be i just make sure that i'd make those links available once the child logs onto their account so we've got our login but then once you log in what does a child do and what they need really is they need easy access to the apps that you want them to use and this is going to vary depending on what tools you use um, and uh, i use clever.com so there's an inbuilt system for that when they log in all their apps show up and they pick the app they want to use but if you don't have that um really good website that i like for um displaying um links bookmarks or whatever as you will or visual bookmarks is symboloo s-y-m-b-a-l-o-o Symbaloo.com. i think is a really good tool that if you log in and you go to the symboloo account you'll you'll see the apps that you want to put on it's really easy to access every everything that you want if you don't have a particular system another idea might be to create a google site and which is quite easy to do to be honest with all the links to the various websites and that you that you want and it's it's again very easy and as i said if you have something like clever.com this is all built in for you look as i said it's a lot of work before you even get the children logging on Uh, but it's important that you have it all set up before they start and because ultimately if you're going into lockdown they are going to need a system to be able to interact with you in 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 a good way and effectively you know i believe that once the children enter the school one of your main jobs will be to prepare them for when they're no not, not going to be able to come to school and that they're going to be able to use your school system once they're back at home so effectively i suppose what i'm going to do in the next uh, tomorrow is i'm going to look at what will the children be doing once they come into school and what you'll need for them to do um so i'll leave it at that sorry to leave it i feels like i'm in an episode of eastenders you know and there's some doom 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 kind of noise coming out now but uh far less exciting than uh, eastenders as i imagine I, I i don't think i've watched eastenders since it used to be exciting anyway um thank you very much for listening uh, to this uh, uh, first part or fourth part as it were of this back to school and blended learning part five will be coming up tomorrow um and uh, it will start on day one of how we teach children for a world of blended learning and um, if you've liked this episode i would really really appreciate a review um on whatever uh, forum you use whether that's uh itunes or spotify or any of the other podcasting uh, apps and um, normally if you uh, if you're a, a listener to this um Uh, this podcast, you'll know that I usually uh, put up podcasts every wednesday morning uh but during this lockdown I, i've decided to do it a little bit more regularly just to make sure that um we have some something ready uh for for children i'm trying to be more useful um than what i usually am uh, in the regular podcast where i simply give out for half an hour uh, about an aspect of education um as i said i hope you listen i hope you enjoyed listening uh, to the episode and we'll catch you tomorrow thanks for listening bye bye